The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or a square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand and we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I'm joined by Danny Kelly. Craig is not here because we're doing an emergency podcast. Pete Carroll, coach of the Seahawks, has fired, retired. Yeah, He's not the he, coach anymore. He got fired. He got so fired. He got fired. Like, for all they, intents and purposes. They yeah. said, oh, you could be a special advisor. And it was like a very polite way to retire, you know, make... It was, I mean, it was so he could say it was mutually agreed upon, essentially. The, like, if you look at... If you watch his presser, he says, I competed really hard to remain the coach. So I, <laughs> he, he did not win that competition, unfortunately. I, we had to do this because Pete Carroll, I mean, the most successful coaches in the last like 15 years of the NFL after Bill Belichick are like Pete Carroll, Andy Reid, Tomlin, like Hardy. Right. Like it's just incredible. DK, you're a Seahawks fan. And then literally 35 seconds ago, whatever the number is on the podcast, plus one minute. Are you telling me Nick Saban just retired? That literally happened. We were literally about to hit record. I, is this confirmed or was that fake? I mean, it's it's out there. It looks real. Okay, um, how about this? I don't know what's going on. This is like actually really wild. Why don't we just have the Pete Carroll conversation and then give it 15 minutes and see if the yeah. Nick Saban thing's real? Because that would... Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Okay, we'll compartmentalize. Also, this is not a bit. Like, we actually were hitting record and be like, Nick Saban. Nick Saban is retiring. That's sources tell ESPN. Compartmentalize. Pete Carroll, DK, I want to just... I mean, quick, you know, one of only Super Bowl in Seahawks history... Uh, one along with Jimmy Johnson to Barry Switzer, Pete Carroll, one of three coaches to win both mm-hmm. the college and national championship in the Super Bowl. We resume we could talk, but I, his press conference he just had was so inspiring. I was watching; I was like, yeah, I want to hire yeah. this guy, DK. But you said we were texting, uh, you know, when we wanted decided we want to do this, and you said, I wrote it down. You said Pete Carroll changed your life. Yeah, what do you mean legitimately? By that? Um, you know, obviously from a professional point of view, it was very beneficial for me to be covering the Seahawks during the Pete Carroll LOB era because it was an extremely popular, extremely interesting, hot button team with a very interesting players and coaches. So from that point of view, he helped me. But like philosophically more is what I meant in, in the sense that um, 
I mean, you watch the presser. Like, don't you want to run through a Dude, wall for this guy? Like, he is incredibly inspiring I was, to me. Yeah. I somehow underrated how inspirational Pete Carroll is. I watched this, and this is, first of all, coaches don't usually get this kind of, like, going away presser. Mm-hmm. Like, Bill Belichick. Have yeah, you ever seen crying. a head coach? I don't know if I've ever seen a head coach cry during a press conference like that. I mean, I mean I'm sure it's Campbell, happened, but. Like, yeah. But Pete Carroll was just, I mean, it's, I literally wrote down six. I don't have a rundown for the show. I just wrote down six things Pete Carroll said. I yeah. literally, like, he was like, he talked about getting the job and he was like, called one of his buddies at USC. He was like, we got a chance to go to Seattle, get to stay two, maybe three years till they kick us out. You want to do our thing? And I was like, <laughs> that's so sick. Yeah. So the backstory for Carroll, which for people that don't really know, like the Carroll story is um, he got fired, left the NFL and he decided he wanted to like write everything down that mattered to him and what it, what was important. And he came up with his whole philosophy, which he then, and it's a very specific you know, it's it's centered around like the win for everything. I read his book, Win Forever. Um, I think it it talks about a lot of great ways to like. It's basically just compete in everything that you can do. Strain, you know, like you have to be willing to like go through the hard times and and, and make it work. But like if you if you if you really try and if you work really hard and you do it the right way and you treat people the right way, like success is the byproduct kind of deal. Like that's me. Really I, I couldn't believe. I I think I've I've heard all this stuff from him, but I never really like internalized it now till he's gone. Like the definition of like, yeah. you know, not appreciate what you have till it's over. When he said, if everyone in the building isn't having fun, I'm not doing my job. That's right. what we say about like our podcast, not like a foot in an NFL team. And he clarified it and he was like, people would criticize us and say that if you have, you're having fun, you're not taking it seriously. And he was, he was like, I'm sorry, those people don't understand. I was like, I love this guy. Yeah. And, and he, so like, it, so yeah, so there's there's a lot of different parts of the philosophy that I really like admire and and actually in what I when I said he, he changed my life like I actually like adhere to some of these tenets of his of his philosophy which of course isn't necessarily all his original ideas but I think it just distilled it down I was covering this guy every day and it was like inspirational to me and so um, yeah I would say like you know having fun taking care of the people around you. Um, you know, there's just a million different things. And if you listen to this he guy, every so time, crying about all the people he was leaving behind. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, this is a, this, that, uh, that presser to me was a good reminder of like why so many of the guys that were on those championship teams have come back, been in the building, you know, come through our big part of the Seahawks program in, in multiple different ways. Like you hear about all the other, like the players that still love him. Um, and it's because, you know, he kind of decided he wanted to take a different approach to coaching. Um, he has this thing called learn your learners where it's like he recognizes everybody is different. Everyone learns in different ways. Everyone has different motivations. If you're like a total fucking dick to somebody, sometimes that's the way to motivate them. Um, but you know what? That doesn't work with everybody. And so he had to like, he, he went about um, coaching and like trying to learn who he was coaching, what, what ways to motivate them. And, you know, apart from that, like apart from like his, his focus on like, self-actualization of everyone on his team um i really do like it adhere and, and, and appreciate like the stuff he talks about with like grit straining working hard um and then success is a byproduct of all that stuff if you'd like really to, willing to like persevere and stuff like that like all that stuff i think is just kind of inspirational and so um you know i it's like I, I feel i feel like if you watch that press conference you kind of got to see like the p carroll that the people that have covered him over i couldn't the years recommend it enough see. It's yeah. on the Seahawks YouTube channel. And yeah. if you want, you can, it's a live stream. And the first 30 minutes were just the blank Seahawks logo, maybe cut. And if you have to go halfway through to his speech, whatever, but like the first half, the, especially the Q and a was unbelievable. Um, 
But you know what he reminds me of? I feel like, you know, if you were fortunate enough, I feel like I hope most people had this, but if you're fortunate enough to have like one amazing teacher in like middle school or high school who yeah, like yeah. infected you with like, oh my God, I actually do like learning about whatever this thing is. Like, you, you know what I mean? That it, like, it, he really is like closer to that than anything else where right. he has this infectious energy about teaching. And we don't talk about that on coaching, but he was saying how he wanted every day to be different, even for the pros. Like they always say, you can't bring the, you can't bring college experience to the NFL. And he was like, I wanted every day to be different so that nobody would stuck in routine. He's like, I wanted everyone like to always, yeah. yeah, he said, I always wanted everyone to be looking around at a new environment, gathering in new stimuli and always be at like their peak awareness because I didn't want people to already know what was about to happen because it, that's not it how was you an learn. experiment. It was an yeah. experiment, he said. In this, I, in this I pressure, can't, which I love. He um, talked barely about football. The one thing he said about, not one thing, but the only technically he said about football was he was like, they asked about why the season ended. He was like, we, we couldn't get it done. We couldn't run the ball. We couldn't, like, you know, our will to compete in the trenches was not good enough down the stretch. That's why we lost games. And yeah. he was like, I know that you guys think my head's in the clouds and I'm just like three yards in a cloud of dust running guy. Like, and he said, right. I'm sorry that you guys don't get it, which was <laughs> awesome about yeah, yeah. like people who don't want him to run. I mean, look, I, so like, I, I don't think that it's kind of hard because it's like, obviously, Pete Carroll's not infallible. Um, and, you know, it's not like he did everything right the whole freaking time that he was a Seahawks coach. But I would join his that cult, I, though. I know. That's the thing. It's the thing that I appreciate about him. And, you know, I, I like, I don't think this is super common and it's going to be hard to replicate for the Seahawks is he has an extremely specific written out philosophy and like methodology for getting the most out of all of his players, competing all the time. He wants to create a, what he calls a competitive cauldron where you're you're getting guys to compete against each other every single day that you come in. You're competing and you're trying to make each other better. And like, I think that's going to be the hard thing to replicate for the Seahawks. And, you know, like we've talked about this, there's two kinds of coaches, I think, in the NFL right now. There's culture guys and there's scheme guys. And at least for a while, Carroll was both. He was a culture guy through and through. That was what he brought from USC. This is what helped make the USC teams great for so many years was that kind of culture that he had built there. He brought that culture to the Seahawks. But he also, for, you know, 2012 to 2015, 2016, their scheme was like that what everyone was trying to replicate for like half the league was like trying to get these tall, long corners, replicate the Seahawks, what they were doing, you know, schematically. Even though, by the way, their, their scheme was really nothing new. It was just that the way, like the way, the way they were teaching it, and the guys that they got to run it almost to perfection. And they ran a counterintuitive thing. It's like the entire NFL, the the game right. was less physical, and all the offenses geared towards speed. And then yeah. the Seahawks were like, "We actually don't care if our defenders are fast. We're going to have the biggest ones and beat the crap out of you and run stuff that you already know what's going to we're running, and it's yeah. going to be perfect." Which is like, does it sound at all like it would make sense on paper as uh, everything's yeah. gearing towards speed and the rules, the speed and the rules are moving against you? have people who are slower and also predictable like that isn't something that sounds like it would necessarily work right I, so, so to me i think the whole thing the whole pete carroll thing is a little bit um i don't know there's like a cognitive dissonance or something it's there's a dichotomy there where for the longest time he drove me crazy because he he was like every going back every single game there was a point where they they were either within seven points or they won for 98 straight games. So they didn't lose by more than seven, <laughs> by more than one touchdown. Or maybe it was 10 points. I can't remember. But it was like, they never got blew out. They never got blown out for almost 100 straight games, which is completely unheard of. Completely unheard of. In other words, they were competitive to the fourth quarter 
to the last part of the game, almost to the last drive. For more than for half a decade. like four seasons straight. And the byproduct of that is like, that's frustrating at times to watch from a Seahawks point of, fan point of view because it's like every game is close. Every game is like stressful. Every game comes down to the last drive. It's like, God, like save me from having this stress kind of deal. I actually then, do think it took years off your life. I'm not even kidding. Like your, <laughs> yeah. the amount of times your body was in stress mode has it's like you've adrenaline. lost years yeah. to this man. Um, but at the same time, there's a very famous, and I don't know exactly what I said, so I'll paraphrase, but he basically went on the radio and someone asked him about that and he was like, toughen up. <laughs> like he's like basically told Seahawks fans to toughen up and I, and I remember being like you dog you slide dog you this guy's awesome I kind of love that I kind of love I, that he just told us to toughen up you know what's crazy um, he's the oldest coach in the league he's like not even a full year I think he's like months older than Belichick they're both the same age like 71 or something and it's funny that Belichick like looks old and like already was right. kind of an elderly person even when he was young Pete Carroll is the oldest coach in the league or not anymore he's but like I'm like watching and I'm like how this guy can get should get any job he wants. He should get Washington. He should get Carolina. Like, just hand this guy the keys. Like, the energy is so infectious. But I, it, it, it's it's weird to think, like, watching that press conference, I was like, this guy's going to, what, retire? He has no. to take another job. There's no job. way. He, he even said, he's like, I'm not tired. I'm not worn out. I want to keep doing this. That press conference was like, you know, it, it felt like he was, you know, obviously, saying goodbye and, and saying his thank yous and doing all that. But he's also making a statement in a way that, like, I'm not done. Like, I'm, I'm not ready to leave. I'm not ready to be done. On that, I just want to give Pete Carroll's flowers for one thing, which, I, you know, obviously, if something happened that did not happen, whatever. But, like, if the Seahawks had won the Super Bowl with the Patriots, Marshall Lynch, obviously, part of the coaching blunder. Like, the, But let's just say for a second, give the ball to freaking Marshall Lynch. Or the ball falls down. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the Seahawks win the freaking game. Not an incredible play. By, yeah, yeah, it's like, if the Seahawks win the game, I know they did, but let's just say they did. The Seahawks, that is the, that goes down as the greatest defense in NFL history it, because it's immediately in the conversation with the 2000 Ravens because they would have beaten Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in back-to-back -back Super years. Bowls yeah. and they would have statistically been on course with the 2000 Ravens, the 85 Bears, the, uh, the, the, um, the Steel Curtain Steelers, the Purple People Leader Vikings, anything you want to pick in NFL history and you could have made it recency biased, but the argument that, but they did it Literally, as the NFL changed all of the rules to make that impossible, and right. they did it, and they did it in a way that was actually, we're not running any, like, secrecy. This, we're lining up in front of you, going to kick your butt. And it's, like, it, it's worth noting that while he's not considered, like, near Belichick, the, the difference in perception would have been hard to explain how differently the Seahawks and Pete Carroll, as good as they are, would be. Like, it, literally, they would have been the 85 Bears. They would have right. been talked about forever if the back-to-back -back Super Bowls. Um, do you want to, can I read you just a few of these quotes and just riff and then yeah, we yeah, yeah. address whether it's Saban actually left or not? He said, it's, uh, to me, the key to being the best you can be is to figure out who you are. Yeah, that's what I was talking about with, um, you know, I think it was he got fired by the Jets or the Patriots. Can't remember the timeline. He was a coach of the Jets and the Patriots for a hot minute, got fired out of the NFL, washed out of the NFL. Um, and he looked inward. He, this is all in his book, Win Forever. He basically like looked inward, spent like a year of self-discovery and figuring out what he wanted to be. And this is what I was going to say before. I kind of just got off track. He is so specific of who he wants to be. And he has this philosophy, the circle of toughness. It's running the football, stopping the run, hitting hard. Um, no turnovers. <laughs> yeah, like protecting the football. He has this very specific like, 
philosophy and and way and he calls it the most proven consistent championship formula of all time and he believes in it like unrepentantly unwaveringly believes in this and for the longest time me included tried to get him to change like i like i i wanted russ to cook like all that stuff he resisted for a really long time there are stretches there where it like he did go out and like quote unquote let russ cook and then it, it ended in spectacular failure. And, um, you know, I, I at least even though like I didn't always agree with him, at least I do very much respect that he like had a philosophy and stuck to it and like really believed in it and never really wavered from that. And I think, you know, he's, he's talked about like um, just like the, the old coaches, the old the coaches of old school days um, talking to him about like ignoring the noise, believing what you believe. And, th and that's like the whole thing of like knowing who you are and, and adhering to that and, and sticking with it. Despite all the noise, like change. I know people are probably listening to this thinking that some people are probably inspired like Ted Lasso and some people are like, we are total saps and naive. I don't care. I, I, I just yeah, like yeah, watch yeah. the press conference because he also, well, that's, also... Well, that's the question. That was exactly what people said when he came into the NFL. Like, yes. Like when he got hired by the Seahawks, the reaction in Seattle by and large, according to what I heard, was negative. People were not excited. You about can't it. talk to pros like this the way you talk yeah, to eighteen. They're not gonna, you're not going to. They're not going to listen to you. They are grown men who have a lot of money. They're millionaires. Um, it's just not going to work. But the people that are around him, uh, it, it's very infectious. It's like contagious. that attitude, it, it's a hundred percent contagious, and that's exactly what he's trying to do. And and he respects the player. It's. I think it's like he comes off as hokey. But in my mind, in my experience, he's extremely genuine. You know what I mean? Like, that's who he is. And I'm also so, bummed Craig's not here because Craig, he had an amazing answer. Um, he asked us about winning and his yeah. regret. And his regret was they didn't win enough. And they were like, but he won a lot. And he was like, he was talking about being at USC. And he's like, we went three years undefeated in a row. He's like, like, and he was like, it ruins you. And I replayed it because I thought I misheard you. him. I thought I misheard him. I was like, it yeah, ruins yeah. Like, it ruins you. He's like, well, you won, you went undefeated for a year. You won another year. You win 12 in a row. 12 and 0, we'll go 13 and 0. Go 13 and 0, we'll go to 14. He, he, I didn't say it. He's like, Jim Harbaugh went 15 and 0. And Craig was literally like, why would Jim Harbaugh want to do more? And it's like, P. Carroll literally was like, you go 15 and 0, you want to go 16 and 0. He's like, no. there's, and he said, there's never enough wins. You never have enough wins in life. And I, I just, it was literally like he had heard what Craig's question was yesterday on the previous show. We were talking <laughs> about, Craig was talking about right. why would Harbaugh leave? Well, he listens to our pod for sure. Yeah. That would be amazing. Because Craig helped him do a uh, fine coach, you know, so they're, they're big buds. Uh, yeah, honestly, if he's available, we'll get him on the Ringer Network. Hell yeah. yeah, we'll just Hell get yeah. Pete Carolina. I would just totally have Carolina just tell us about life. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I am. I'm very fascinated because Carol, he's done a whole bunch of uh, work. He's like been compared to uh, to uh, Jackson, the Bulls coach from back in the day. The Phil Jackson, yeah, Phil Jackson. He was like, does the he guru. does he drop acid and just like chill in Montana like <laughs> Phil mean, Jackson does? Because that would not surprise me. Just um, drop an acid and be like, triangles the strongest <laughs> shape in the natural world. But like a big part of um, a big part of Pete Carroll's program and people that have played other sports, people that have played tennis in particular might might know about this. But he's he's really big on this book called The Inner Game of Tennis. And yeah, coaches love yeah. It's like quieting your mind and playing in the absence of fear, which I think is really, really useful, not just in sports, but like in all aspects of life, quieting your mind, not thinking, just playing, having no fear, going out there and giving it your best. Like all this stuff is super fucking hokey. I totally acknowledge that and realize that. But like, I actually think it's really But so is everyone is useful. good. Tom, you know who's hokey? <laughs> Tom Brady. Totally, hokey dude. Totally, totally. Like, you know what's hokey? No, remembering the names of the people drafted ahead of you. 
totally. It, but, I, so like, but I, but I think at the end of the day, like in my mind, his track record is unassailable. He's, the, he's yeah. one of three, like one of three coaches all time to have won a national championship and a Super Bowl. He's brought in, he ushered in the most successful era of Seahawks football. He's, he's missed the playoffs like four years and 14. That stat you had that they hadn't been, they didn't lose by more than seven or 10 points or whatever. For 98, that, that's basically like six Let me pull like it up. Let years. me pull it up because I want to get it right. I, Shield tweeted it earlier um, and I just want to make sure I have it right. So it was uh, Pete Carroll Seahawks had 98 straight games that's where they had a lead or were within one score in the fourth quarter. 98 so they were divided competitive by 16. in 98 by games. 17. It's like five yeah, that's, seasons. It's almost six seasons. I'm, in, I'm divided by 17. Think about how many teams, team. think about how many times your team got blown out this year alone. The, the, the Dable Giants have lost by 20 points like six times. <laughs> like two years. I mean, it's it's the NFL. And it's that especially true because so many games get out of hand in the fourth quarter and then you like have like some team score a touchdown and the game gets out of hand. 98 straight games where that never happened to them. You so, know what I mean? Like that's wild. Um, and it's all it's all about his like philosophy belief, belief system like straining competing till the end um you know he's a big on like if you work hard enough and long enough good things are going to happen and so that's why there's so many fourth quarter comebacks um and honestly like again it's like I know it's hokey but this, these are a lot of like principles that I've always like tried to apply to my life and my job and things like that so uh, you know I really appreciate it it was like I was getting emotional watching him do his press conference cuz um honestly he's like he's a he's a leader He's a he's an excellent leader, and I think it's going to be a huge, massive, gigantic void uh, is going to be created with in, within the Seahawks, and so it's going to be very interesting to where to see where they go from here. Uh, we'll pick this up on Friday. I, you know, obviously, well, DK is going to write a column for the Ringer, and you're listening to this. I don't know Wednesday, Thursday. At some point, the column will be up on Thursday, probably. And please give that a read at the old Ringer doc at the Ringer for old DK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know we'll pick up more. I don't know what's going to happen if Pete Carroll wants to go somewhere. We'll talk about that. The Seahawks, whatever. But like you know, but this I, is I, weird. It's a weird situation. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes you know we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs. Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Now, with that said, 
I'm going to refresh ESPN.com right now and we'll see uh, what happened. Uh, oh my God. Nick Saban <laughs> is retiring. That's real. What the fuck? Uh, this is like such a uh, wild day. How many? The, yeah. Okay. So, one, remember is Belichick, days, dude, is Belichick going to retire today too? So here are my takes. I have so much. Here are my, literally, like, we just found this out. Here are my thoughts. In order. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban have a blood pact and there's some kind of like demonic um, tie that ties them through the afterlife in the fourth dimension that one of them cannot exist without the other. And so I think this is actually not Saban retiring. It's that Bill Belichick leaving football means that Nick Saban's like whatever deal with the devil and Satan he's made. It's like they're together <laughs> must go out and crumble together. That's number one. Two, you said earlier in this show something about now there's like it used to be like CEO coaches, coaches that like managed the sideline, looked at the clock. And now the coaches that are being made are essentially, it's almost like buying a company to get the IP. It's like you're hiring Ben Johnson for the Lions, not because you think he can run an organization, but because he can build an offense that will make your quarterback good and you hope he can run an organization. And Pete, and like you look, Pete Carroll is out and his whole thing's running the organization. And he obviously is a defensive coach. Yeah, Bill he's Belichick. Like a CEO. There's so yeah. many things that those guys do. Yeah. And so Bill Belichick, obviously credible defensive coordinator, but like mate, the CEO aspect is what he became amazing at. And then now we're losing Nick Saban. It's like these guys are architects. These guys are essentially CEOs of massive companies that were running them for unprecedented. Like Nick Saban's resume is hard to even capture, but like, I, can I just read? Like, I was just looking when yeah, Michigan do, won. Do the, uh, do the recap because I, I honestly like. I, okay. Yeah. So I'm just going to start with my favorite thing, um, which is just the fucking, sorry to curse, the fucking list of the goddamn college football <laughs> championships. Let me just start with like, um, like Nick Saban. I, this is where I like to start with Saban. <laughs> so Saban takes over, comes, you know, the Dolphins thing goes poorly, the tail between the lake, goes to Alabama. 2000, starting in 2009, here are the people who won the, um, the national championship in college football. Uh, Nick Saban. Auburn, Nick Saban, Nick Saban, Florida State, Ohio State, Nick Saban, Clemson, Nick Saban, Clemson, <laughs> LSU, Nick Saban, Georgia, Georgia, who beat Nick Saban. Nick Saban, right. the Alabama made the national championship game. Let's see here. They made, or uh, this season, they made the, the college football play. They made the championship game in what? Uh, not only did they win six titles, mm -hmm. they lost three of them. Yeah. So he made nine title games in, sorry, my math's wrong and people are probably screaming, but he made nine title games in 13 years. It's just wild. <laughs> like that's, dominance. Just, yeah. what the hell? That's crazy. It's, it is, it's truly like a Belichickian, Belichickian uh, run for, for Alabama. It's like, if you look back at like the AFC championship um, winners over the last like 20 years, it's like either Peyton or Brady and then there's like three others. It's like, it's like really, really wild. Um, you know, just that kind of dominance over that long stretch of time. So yeah, man, I don't even like know what to say about Belichick because I've been thinking so hard about Carroll for the last like three hours. I don't know either. Cause it's like I'm the like, Belichick Saban stuff. Yeah. It's like, there was a point. Cause also I think the reason we're bringing up Belichick too is like Belichick hired Saban. Like you go back to the Cleveland Browns, which again are the Baltimore Ravens, which no one talks about, but the team that was the Ravens, Belichick and Saban worked at the Browns together. That team became the Ravens. That's a whole other story that I want to do one time. But like, Bill Belichick and, just, and Saban just worked together in Cleveland. And they split. And he went to New England. And then Saban went to, where was it, Michigan State first and then LSU. And it's like, 
the I guess if you just cut it off, you know, Belichick wins that first trilogy of championships. And then from the 2007, they don't win the Super Bowl. Giants, ha. Huh? But like Patriots go 16 and 0. It's the best team I've ever seen. And then Nick Saban wins the championship at Bama. And then that sets off this whole decade where what the Patriots do? They won three Super Bowls and they also lost two of them. So Belichick made five of the 10. He made half the Super Bowls and won three in, one, uh, in the NFL. And then Nick Saban was in college football making what? Uh, sorry, top of my head, but seven and winning six or winning five. They both won. They both made half the title games and won collectively almost half of them in college, in the college and the pros. And it's just these two guys who were like friends 40 years ago and mumble. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, now I'm like truly wondering what, what's going to happen with Belichick. Like, is the, is he just going to announce right now? Might as well do it now. Everyone else is doing it. <laughs> just think Nick Saban did him a favor of sparing him the attention. Uh, uh I can't, I actually can't Or was believe, he jealous? Like, yeah. He's like, he wants to like overshadow. Stealing it. Um, the one, the one thing I'll say about Nick Saban, I'm sorry that this is totally like weird and we're just doing it off the top of the dome and it probably sounds scattered, but did you ever hear Nick Saban give the, his recruiting pitch? In 2020, uh, COVID, one of the pros, I don't even know who it was, but some recruits dad or something recorded Nick Saban doing the pitch over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, in it was like, it, I was like, yeah, I, I get why he gets whoever he wants. <laughs> and was it was basically the, like, I'm going to make you millions of dollars and win he, a national I, I might get the names wrong and I apologize. And he was like, well, here's the reason you should come to Alabama. He's like, number one, they're probably going to tell you, oh, you won't play there. Um, but you'll play here. And two, that's not true. One, if I didn't think you could start at University of Alabama, I wouldn't be here. Two, by telling you that, they're kind of saying you're we're not they're not as good as us, aren't they? So they're kind of implying you don't want to win championships. And he's like, two, <laughs> you want to be a pro playing time. They're saying you go there. He's like, Amari Cooper, first receiver taken in 2015, went up every day against Mika Fitzpatrick, first cornerback uh, yeah. taken in 2015, yeah. practicing every day, and he's like, can't uh I forget the tackle versus the defensive end practice. First one taken in the draft versus the first defensive end taken in the draft every day. And he's like, the talent that you practice against Alabama will be five times a week better than the people you face on Saturdays. That the people get better Monday to Saturday, uh, Monday to Friday, not on Saturday. Right. And I just like, and it was just like, I don't know. It's I see how this guy built an empire. <laughs> Good salesman. Iron sharpens iron. Um, I like that. Yeah, I, I'm honestly like at a kind of a loss for words. This is a weird day. What the fuck is going on? Because <laughs> honestly, because we were on a ringer meeting when the new the Pete Carroll news dropped, and I was like stunned. I was honestly kind of speechless because everything that we'd been hearing was that there wasn't going to be like any major shift uh, until the Seahawks gets sold, which is a totally n- different wrinkle that we haven't even talked about. Oh my god, yeah. The Paul Allen will has some stipulation that he wants the team to be sold by some date. Yeah, this is a whole other subplot that like Paul Allen, who, you know, obviously uh, Microsoft and stuff, and Paul Allen owned the Seahawks and died. And Paul Allen's estate, you can look into it. It's Paul Allen's estate is essentially like one of the largest estates that's ever had to be sorted by in like American Mm -hmm. history. And so the process of it is like obscenely complex where it's like, imagine like having an estate so large that selling the NFL team is just like on the to-do list. I know, right? Like, it's just, (laughs) but the May 2nd or May 3rd is the day where if the Seahawks are going to be sold, that's when it might first happen. So, like, we don't know what's happening, but like, you know, Jeff Bezos is there in Seattle. So it's like Jeff Bezos might buy the Seahawks for like $7 billion. We have no idea, but that's like totally right there with all this. So, but, but bottom line, like, I don't think anyone really knew this was coming. There was a lot, there was questions being asked if Carol was done, but for the most part, 
it was like, nah, he's probably going to be around for a while. There might be changes to the rest of his staff. You know, he might fire the defensive coordinator and kind of like start different. But, um, but yeah, it sounds like uh, Jody Allen, Paul Allen's sister, uh, fired him essentially. We so, um yeah. So and now John Schneider and the answer that we got in the press conference was that John Schneider, the GM, is sticking around and he gets to choose the next head coach and stay on as GM. So this is kind of one of those weird. The coach gets fired even though he was John Schneider's boss. Like, Pete Carroll was in charge of everything. He was the president, or what, I don't know exactly, executive title, but he was, the buck stopped with him. He was John Schneider's boss. Yeah. And now John Schneider gets to choose the next coach. So it's going to be, yeah, going to be very interesting to see what happens here. To try to just butt this all up and, well, not button it up, but more just set the table for that. Like, for this what's is next, yeah. pretty, tech, like, the, this is a Game of Thrones level. Um, musical chairs that's just happening right yeah. now because you're talking about the def- the defining f- football programs of the 21st century are the New England Patriots in Alabama and then to a lesser degree the Seattle Seahawks and then to a to a lesser degree but still like one of the best jobs out there is the University of Michigan and there's a world where Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan and the Michigan job I don't know if it opens so much I think they know who they're going to give it to but regardless there's change there Alabama I maybe this has already come out by now but like I mean, that's the most coveted job in the entire college football world. Yeah, but can you imagine lot. taking that job? <laughs> yeah, I, that's like the dream. It's like going on after the Beatles. I think didn't you use yeah. that expression I, for like, Belichick going on after the Beatles? <laughs> yeah, it's like well, the difference is the, the college. It's easier because you have the brand name that you're just selling. You know, your job is to sell Coca Cola. Sure. Patriots. It's like you have to do. I think what Belichick did is harder. Like the Belichick, the entire system's designed. Like college oh, football for is sure. Oh yeah, college yeah, football's yeah. designed. For an oligopoly of dominance and exciting, yeah, there's there's, bo- there's momentum because of recruiting in college, yeah, and Belichick, and money. The Patriots, it's the opposite. The NFL is designed for nobody to be that good for that long. John Schneider, Seahawks, Seahawks GM, once said, and I love this, I love this expression. This is no longer applies since there's 17 games now. But he said, "The league pushes everyone to eight and eight. Yeah, and it's true. And the rules of the league, the, the way the draft is set up, the way the rules of uh, free agency and waivers and everything is set up." to elevate the bad teams and push down the good teams the way the schedule is set up. So I think that, I guess overall, maybe this is an aggressive take, but I'm just going to say it and maybe I just sound stupid, but there's, I think historians, maybe it's Howard Zinn. Someone basically argues that like the 20th century, the 21st century began in 9-11 and that for intents and purposes, like that was the event and like the, the 20th century was actually like World War One, like Franz Ferdinand assassinated and it ended with the the Berlin Wall and the 90s are like this weird stopgap. And then the 21st century and the modern world basically began in 9-11. And I, I feel like if you look at history, I almost feel like Loki, like the aughts kind of ended today. I like I feel like the or maybe the pandemic was this weird thing, but I feel like like an era of football literally officially ended with it's... Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, and at, at some point probably, probably Bill Belichick, Belichick. Yeah. in the same week all leaving. And then maybe if Jim Harbaugh, if Jim Harbaugh, ba- uh, Saban and Belichick all leave at the same times. I feel like at some it's point like we're like tectonic is... shifts. Like this is some. This is some major, major, major. Yeah, this stuff. is like the the Berlin Wall. It's like a neat bookend. Like, all right, that era of history is done, and we're in a new one now. Like, totally. you know what I mean? Totally. Maybe that sounds hyperbolic and insane, but no, I know. Sorry. I get what you're saying, though. Like, it's the way that we look back on eras, right? Yeah, and, and we're gonna look back on this era. Um, and those guys are the like protagonists. Those are the main characters. Yeah, the protagonists left. That's exactly it's like crazy. It. Um, it reminds me of like Game of Thrones and like they, 
you know, these guys are not dead. But when they ki- kill off one of the major players and then, like, the other kingdoms, you know, take in those guys, take it, take yeah. in everyone else. Like, what is going to happen with this, uh, the power structure in college football, the power structure in the NFL? Um, yeah, it's it's very, it's very fascinating. I, I truly, again, like to, to wrap it all up, like, I'm still just kind of in shock. I don't know what to think of of this whole situation. It's it's wild to me that the Seahawks actually fired Pete Carroll, even though like at the end of the day, from a like a hundred percent football specific point of view, like he hadn't really been doing all that great lately. They they'd been overachieving, I think, um, but like their defense, one of the worst defenses in the yeah. NFL. So like I could see from a football point of view, but it's truly shocking from like a cultural. And, you know, in that building, just like the the impact that he brings point of view, like it's really, really, really weird to see him up there, you know, crying because he really wanted to keep this job and they wouldn't let him. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of wild. Toughen up. Toughen up. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I love and appreciate that about Carol. Um, uh, it, it, it's like one of those things. It's like really funny because like he drove me crazy. But also when I was watching that, I was like getting mad. I was like, why the fuck did they fire this guy? You know what I mean? Like, um, so it, it, yeah, kind of a weird dichotomy of emotions. All right. Well, we're going to bounce. Thank you for sticking with us to set it up. We thought this would be a nice little Pete Carroll uh, emergency pod riff. And then suddenly Nick Saban retired in the middle of it. So hope you guys <laughs> Which, enjoyed. I don't, I, I don't even, I haven't even like begin to think about that. It's crazy. Yet, yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Jesse, for just hopping on this emergency pod. That was way longer than we told them it would be. Uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll have our preview show on Friday and then we're going to have like, yeah, Sunday recaps and then we'll have previewing the playoff rounds and the NFL draft show is going to be on Wednesdays for the rest of the season. And then after the season ends, we're going to go twice a week with the NFL draft show. So please check that out. Thank you everyone. And yeah, subscribe, follow all that jazz and, um, thank you. And, uh, yeah, just remember the key to consistent success. Know who you are. Boom. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. The Beatles. It is like, dude, the Belichick job is like going out of the penis. It's like, you can't get the, I'm serious. Mike Vrabel is the only person that like is going to, people are going to be like, oh yeah, this will, let's stay for this. Yeah. Like going home. All right. Goodbye. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit one 800 gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.